1: Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom.
0: Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment?
0: I am. I'm very ready. Let's go!
1: Alright, let's give it a whirl.
0: Okay, and I'd like to say hello, everybody! Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're there. We're so excited that you're listening. And again, I'm very happy that it's fall because it's my favorite season of the year.
1: Uh, Yes. uh, Hello uh, to everyone uh, around this uh, great country of ours and around this uh, wonderful world. Uh, Thank you all for uh, tuning in. Uh and yes fall is a uh, it's a wonderful uh, time of year as we uh, get into those low 90s here in Texas it's uh, just absolutely <laughs> magnificent. Um, That's very true. So, uh <laughs> For uh, those of you, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, welcome. Uh, The way that we do things here is that uh, in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure to my mother. Uh, She will then input that data into the back computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, uh, where all the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment this person was born. She will then do her best to give a blind reading of this chart to uh, determine what she can about this person's personality, uh, character motivations, and fortunes of this mystery history guest. Uh, I will then ask a few discussion questions and then reveal to her who our mystery history guest is. Uh, I will give a little background about the person, then we'll uh, come together at the end and figure out uh, how close or accurate uh, the chart was at determining what that person would do. Uh, So without any further ado, let us begin.
0: All right, let's go. Uh,
1: This is a male.
0: Okay. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Born on the twenty third
0: mm-hmm.
1: of October.
0: Alright. Mm-hmm.
1: Nineteen twenty-five.
0: Alright. And do we have a time? We do. <gasps> I love it when we have a time.
1: Seven <laughs> fifteen AM. Alright.
0: Okay, and where in the world?
1: Uh the United States.
0: All right. And do we have a town? Corning, Iowa. All right. Super. Okay. Let's take a look at this. All right. So, again, these people that you choose, Chandler, tend to be very dynamic. Because this is another splash chart with planets in almost every house. All right, I'll just start with reading off the planets. Uh, this person has uh, Scorpio rising at 5 degrees. All right, and then we have Sun at 29 degrees Libra, Moon at 13 degrees Cancer, Mercury at 10 degrees Scorpio, Venus at 13 degrees Sagittarius, Mars at 16 degrees Libra, Jupiter at 15 degrees Capricorn, Saturn at 14 degrees Scorpio, Uranus at 22 degrees Pisces, Neptune at 24 degrees Leo, Pluto at 14 degrees Cancer, North Node at 0 degrees Leo, and Chiron at 25 degrees Aries. So very interesting. Hmm... You have that Libra-Capricorn dynamic going on here, which is very interesting because those two aspects are very different from each other. Uh, Let's start with... um, Let's start with this North Node in Leo at zero degrees, which is very interesting for... Me, because I am a cusp reader, I do read cusps. And this is at zero degrees Leo. So it's right there at the very first degree of Leo, which is zero, because the houses run from zero to 29 degrees. The degrees run from zero to 29 also. And so this would give this person... Some aspects of Cancer and some aspects of Leo, I would venture to say half and half. So, uh, and it's in the ninth house, the house of philosophy and education and dogma and travel. It's very interesting. Somehow a leading ability with philosophy and higher education. This person also has a uh, Pluto in cancer at 14 degrees in the ninth house. That's a very powerful ninth house that gives this person a, uh, a very interesting, um, philosophical, dogmatic travel, uh, ninth house, very strong ninth house. Uh, ninth house is ruled by Sagittarius, which is ruled by Jupiter, so it's very expansive. Um, okay. Then we have Neptune in the 10th house. Also in Leo. Very uh, great ability to perform very um creative in the entertainment industry or if this were the other aspects of leo which would be the leadership it would be a very creative leader has to do with their career their midhaven is at 12 degrees leo so midhaven is your career Uh, 10th house is ruled by Capricorn, which is your career, your reputation, your, your fame. And with this Neptune and Leo is very much a tendency towards entertainment, show business. Um, let's go back to the first house. So we have first house in the first house. We have. Saturn and Mercury Saturn at 14 degrees Scorpio conjunct Mercury at 10 degrees Scorpio with that Scorpio rising this person should have been really kinda uh alluring mysterious maybe could be dark side would be very um very mysterious, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, for, uh, kind of a bad boy, maybe even, but definitely attractive and interesting. And that Mercury and Saturn in Scorpio would be, um, um, Kind of, I would assume this man would be someone that women would be very interested in because they're mysterious. Uh, Saturn conjunct Mercury lessons with communication. Uh, in Scorpio, Mercury in Scorpio would be, uh, even it could be secrets lessons with secrets or people think that maybe this person was a spy (laughs) secret secret communications okay and then venus in sagittarius in the second house that's very lucky with money and material things and in sagittarius that's kind of happy go lucky ride the pony into the wind kind of uh, uh, free-form, free-wheeling uh, love of material things. So, with <laughs> Venus in Sagittarius, which is, you know, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, that's very expansive, it's very benevolent, it's very bacchus but in the second house, it's going to be material things, and and wealth, and money earned from working and 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 uh, things like that. But so I don't know if that makes any sense. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we have Moon at thirteen degrees Capricorn conjunct Jupiter at fifteen degrees Capricorn in the third house. Interesting because Moon conjunct Jupiter. Ah, uh, that's a lot of female energy, and in Capricorn, there's that ah uh, kind of twist to it because typically people who have Moon in Capricorn or Moon in Virgo, ah, uh, even Moon in Aquarius, their mothers can be very career oriented, and be very focused on career. In this situation, it would be even more because it's Jupiter in Capricorn in the third house, which is siblings and communication and a lot of career women, apparently, in this person's chart. They have Aquarius on the fourth house. There's no planets in that house, but it would make their house and their community and how they interact with their community, very humanitarian, very unique, uh, and interesting and maybe even kind of futuristic. And then fifth house we is ruled by Pisces and we have Uranus there at 22 degrees. So that would be very creative and uniquely creative in that fifth house. With that, all this Leo on the midhaven and tenth house and ninth house cusp it could make this person extremely unique and creative. This Uranus, Uranus rules Aquarius, but here we have Uranus in a Pisces, so some kind of really amazing creativity, possibly even, um, trend setting in filmmaking or show business. But I mean, if it is very unique in leadership, then it's super duper unique because we have Uranus, we have Neptune and Leo with leadership abilities. So that's very interesting. We have Chiron in Aries at 25 degrees in the sixth house. So this is going to give a very healing leadership ability in work. Um, somehow their work, they're leaders in their work, and they are in charge in their work. But their work is, has a healing quality to it. Um, from past pain comes this healing ability with Chiron. Uh, seventh house is in Taurus. There's nothing in that house, but it would make this person a nurturing partner and a bit, a good business partner, stable, reliable in one-on-one partnerships. Eighth house is ruled by Gemini So benevolence through communication, inheritance, possibly through communication, technology, uh, legacy. There's nothing in that house, but it's ruled by Gemini. Then we're back to the ninth house ruled by Cancer, 10th house ruled by Leo, 11th house ruled by Virgo. There's nothing in there, but an 11th house ruled by Virgo, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which is... Uh, excellent communication. 12th house ruled by Libra and having Mars and their Sun in the 12th house. Very karmic, very. <sighs> a lot to work with there. And that Mars in the 12th house in Libra. Being very fair minded, could be legal, could be government, could be a negotiator. Is any of this making any sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this person has Sun at 29 degrees Libra, which which puts it right on the cusp of Scorpio, which would mean that this person has this uh, by by sign, Sun conjunct Mercury conjunct Saturn. Because this sun is at 29 degrees, which is right on the cusp of Scorpio. Interesting, spyish behavior from this person, but also very alluring and very um, capable of uh, espionage-ish behavior and, and, and creativity and show business with a potential to be a brilliant business person. Is any of this making sense? Yes. Okay, do you have any questions?
1: Um, could you uh, describe his relationship to his mother?
0: You know, when you have Moon in Capricorn, you have some aspects to your Moon that are not necessarily wonderful. Uh, His mother could have been a very busy businesswoman. His mother could have been dark side, really cold and not available. There are aspects to that moon in Capricorn that can be very painful, but he has Jupiter there conjunct by degree. See, this is 13 degrees Capricorn moon, 15 degrees Capricorn uh, Jupiter. So his mother could have been very wealthy, perhaps, but uh, also she could have been a very successful businesswoman. Um, Does that make sense at all? Parts of it. Okay, so maybe when I understand more about it, I can give you the other aspects of that moon in Capricorn conjunct Jupiter. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um, What uh, would his relationship be with monogamy?
0: Well, he has Taurus on the seventh house. So, light side of Taurus would be very strong relationship-wise. There's no planets there, okay? But dark side of Taurus could be very Venusian, very sensual, very sexual. So, it could go either way. And with having all this Scorpio, uh, it could go either way. Because Scorpios can be very, very loyal, but they can also be very experimental.
1: <laughs> um, can you get anything about how he would handle a work-life balance?
0: Well, whenever you have Aries on the sixth house, you're kind of a workaholic. Uh, so there's that. And then when you add that moon in Capricorn, which also makes you a workaholic and Jupiter in Capricorn, that would make you a workaholic. We have a lot of workaholic aspects here. We have a lot of Leo. Leos can be workaholics, you know, so there could be a lot of work going on with this guy.
1: Um where would you find this person in a party
0: This person has Scorpio rising So that aspect would make them a sort of uh check the room you know But this person has north node in Leo and Neptune in Leo, and Leo on the midhaven, so this person has aspects that could ah uh, once they had scoped out this room with their Scorpioness and understood where everything is, they could be the ah uh, sunshine in the room if they wanted to be now this person has uranus in pisces in the fifth house which could make them less gregarious but i would assume that this person would be in the room to do business if that makes any sense
1: How would he do with controlled substances?
0: Well, his Neptune is in Leo, in the 10th house. So, somehow, uh controlled substances could be part of his career. If he is dabbling... Then he going dabble big because it's Neptune and Leo, and Leos don't do anything tiny; they do it big. But I would think with this person's chart that he would actually be selling the controlled substances. It's part of his career. He's a he's a a kingpin.
1: <laughs> um. What would happen if uh, he felt wronged by someone? How would he handle that?
0: Well. That's a lot of Leo aspects. And power. And Scorpio. Mm. I would think that this person with this Scorpio in the first house would... Uh make sure that whoever had wronged him understood they had been dealt with. So then once we understand the reputation of this you have been dealt with, uh, other people might not want to do that. Because this person has a wild card. This Venus and Sagittarius, it could do anything in the second house where business is concerned. This person has a very cavalier attitude towards money. So they could um, address situations like that with a very... Uh, wild card attitude.
1: What do you mean by wild card?
0: Sagittarians can have <laughs> what I like to refer to as clown card personalities, meaning you don't know what you're going to get. You're just going to spin that roulette wheel and you could get what you get. So here in this situation, this person has Venus and Sagittarius in the second house. Sagittarians are not super attached to money, but somehow they're lucky with it. So using money to get what they want in a way that they're not afraid to lose it because they know more's coming. I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all, but when you combine all these attitudes, you combine all this Leo of, you know, leadership and rule and um possibly ego with this trying to their venus in sagittarius in the second house of their money with this moon and jupiter in capricorn you have a person who could uh pretty much do anything they want and be really good at it
1: How would this person uh, relate with children?
0: Oh, they could relate really well with children. It is a possibility that they could literally be like a child children's book youth author because they have this Uranus in the fifth house in Pisces. So they have, you know, a really great opportunity to interact with children. They also have neptune in the 10th house in leo and leo rules children you know midhaven and leo children uh it could be a person who you know was involved with children's entertainment possibly but this person has um the opportunity in their chart to mesmerize children you know and and then nurture them this person has Mars in the 12th house in Libra, which also makes them very fair with their passions and their, and their direction. You know, I mean, some people could just be in law enforcement or have to do with the legal system, but, um, I would think this person could be um i mean this person has the potential with pluto in 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 cancer to be very nurturing you know powerfully nurturing this person could be (laughs) to speak in a yoda vernacular (laughs) am i anywhere near (laughs)
1: Uh Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you hit some things and then kind of go off on a little bit and then hit some things directly
0: on. <laughs> okay. Well, again, once maybe I know, if I know who this is, I might be able to get more clarification.
1: What kind of clothes do you think he'd wear?
0: Scorpio Rising, this person should be dressed. You know what I mean? Like, look really good. The downside of that is that this person could be very goth because it's Scorpio rising. (laughs) So they could dress like a vampire.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, that's not a downside for
0: everybody. (laughs) Not for your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Your sister likes to dress like a vampire.
1: (laughs) Uh, What kind of profession do you see him going into?
0: Personally, you know, I like when I'm dealing with Leo aspects to just assume off the bat that the person is in show business, some kind of show business. If not, then um, honestly, I would be surprised because they have Leo on their Midhaven. So if not in show business, they must be a very creative leader of some sort. Possibly super businessy. But this person with this Venus and Sagittarius I mean I know they have this this Scorpio rising and these planets and Scorpio but I just feel like with all this Leo and also, you know, all this Leo and Scorpio and Sag and Capricorn and Libra and Aries, all these things aspect each other to create a lot of intensity and energy you know i don't see squares and oppositions as negative but i don't like to see anything in a chart as negative i see it all as um potential you know
1: Hmm. Uh, are there any other uh, first impressions that you get uh, from this chart
0: well, honestly, I think with this Leo, as long as it doesn't go dark side and be super egotistical, I think that I would probably uh, be okay with this person. Like, like they have a lot of good aspects if they're using everything on the light side.
1: Uh, would you are you are you ready now for the uh, summary of our findings? Yes. So the first thing you said was that this person would have a leading ability with philosophy. Uh, He would have an interesting connection to philosophy, religion, and travel. He has a great ability to perform, uh, creative in entertainment. Entertainment and leadership connect to the career, to his fame. He would be alluring, mysterious, maybe a bad boy. Women would find him attractive, and women would be very interested in him. Uh, There are lessons with communication, lessons with secrets. He would be very lucky with money. Uh, He has sort of a free-form love of material things, and he is very benevolent. Uh, There's a lot of female energy. Uh, The mother could be career-oriented. Uh, there are a lot of career women in his life. Uh, there is a futuristic interaction with home and community. He is uniquely creative. Extremely uniquely creative. Amazing creativity. Uh, there, he could be trendsetting in film or show business. Uh, he has a healing leadership ability with work. Uh, the his work uh, has a healing ability. There, he could be a nurturing partner. Uh, he could be a stable business partner. There is inheritance through communication or inheriting communication, and he is excellent at communication. Uh, he would be very fair-minded. Uh, he is alluring and has a secretive behavior. Uh, The three major points of him are secretive and show business and business. Uh, His mother uh, would be very busy, uh, possibly very cold and unavailable. Uh, He uh, would have strong relationships, um, but uh, he could also experiment and be very sensual. He is a workaholic. Uh, If he were at a party or social gathering, he would check the room. He would scope it out. Um, And then it is possible he could be the sunshine of a uh, social gathering, but only if he wanted to. Uh, He could also choose to be less gregarious. Uh, He is in any social gathering to do business. Uh, he could have a uh, a potential a relationship with controlled substances as part of his career. Uh, if he were to dabble in things like drugs and al- alcohol, um, he would not do so lightly. Uh, he could be selling controlled substances. <laughs> um, if someone were to wrong him, uh, he would make sure that the wronged party uh, would feel that they were dealt with. Uh, he is cavalier with money. Uh, he uh, addresses situations with a wild card attitude uh They could do anything they wanted to and be very good at it. He could relate well with children he could mesmerize children. Uh, he is very fair with his passions uh, and could be powerfully nurturing. Uh, he uh dresses very well. Uh, he looks very good. Uh, he has the potential to be a uh, very uh, big in show business. He could be a creative leader. Uh, he could be a super uh person in business. Uh, he uh, could be a, a very intense person. And uh, there are uh, a lot of good aspects in his chart, and uh, you believe that you uh, would uh, get along with him.
0: Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh,
1: are you uh, ready to find out whose chart we've been looking at?
0: Yes, I hope I know them.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there is uh, only way, only one way uh, to properly introduce this man. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny.
0: Ooh so much sense oh my gosh oh my yes oh yes this chart is perfect for him absolutely perfect look at the moon and jupiter communications benevolent business right in communications this this Oh, and, and oh yes, and the Scorpio rising, and the Mercury and Saturn communications, right? Oh heck yeah, yeah. This all oh, oh, absolutely. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. And the show business, and the business aspect of it, and the creativity in show business. Oh yeah very 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 on point with this yeah because he's got that venus and sag that kind of funny that you know Mm -hmm. oh very good okay i can't wait to hear what you're gonna say about johnny carson
1: yeah so uh this is the uh, astrological birth chart of johnny carson uh for those of you if uh, you may be uh, too young out there to know um uh Johnny Carson was the uh, host of the Tonight Show uh for uh, nearly 30 years uh, from uh, 1962 to 1992, um, and uh, just a, a powerhouse of American culture, uh, a, a touchstone. Um, the He put America to bed uh, every night, uh, tucked them in um, for, for 30 years, and during some of the most tumultuous years in American history, um, Johnny Carson was always there, um, and uh, was responsible for the launching of countless careers in show business. Uh, we are still very much living in the uh, show business uh, that Johnny Carson uh, created. Um, so uh, Johnny Carson uh, was born John William Carson on October twenty third, 1925 in Iowa. Uh, he was born uh, to Ruth and H.L. Uh, Kitt Carson. Uh, he was the uh, second of three children. Um, so he had an older sister named Catherine and uh, a younger brother named Richard. Um, growing up uh, in the Midwest, uh, his family would eventually move to uh, uh, Norfolk, as they would say, or, or Norfolk, uh, Nebraska, um, Uh, The family dynamics were uh, probably pretty typical for a Midwestern upbringing. Um, Emotions were kind of withheld, uh, especially on the part of their mother. Uh, Ruth Carson was... uh, Many times described as being very emotionally withholding, and uh, Johnny felt this compulsion to try and, and earn her affection and uh, earn uh, her uh, availability. Uh, she, uh, the golden child in her eyes, was the daughter, Catherine. Oh. Uh, so uh, he always felt this uh, sense of uh, trying to, um, Uh, impress his mother, and uh, a lot of times Mm -hmm. never really uh, achieved that.
0: Yes, I understand this.
1: Um, They had uh, a modest upbringing uh, in Nebraska. Uh, The father, HL, uh, worked for the uh, local power company. Um, At the age of 13, something happened that absolutely transformed uh, Johnny Carson's life. Um, He got a book, uh, a book of magic, uh, written by Professor Lewis Hoffman. And this was how Johnny Carson was now going to make a personality out of this. He was someone who was painfully shy, hated to um, interact with people in, in any sense. And that was something that lasted His entire life, but he figured that if he could manage these magic tricks, he could somehow get people and especially his mother to like him uh so uh he uh, was always seen from that day on with a deck of cards in his hands, always asking people uh, to pick a card, always uh, shuffling them uh, at one uh, at several points. Uh, he would uh, go throughout the house asking family members to pick a card. Uh, he would even interrupt his mother on the toilet to ask her to pick a card. Um, uh, at the age of fourteen, uh, he got his uh, first professional gig in, in show business as a uh, uh, he he performed for the local Qantas Club um, as the Great Carsoni. And uh, he earned three dollars. Uh, and for uh, the event, his mother made him a cape, uh, and uh, also for his fourteenth birthday, as uh, she got him a a a green a tablecloth uh, so that he could perform his magic on. And for the rest of his life, he said that was the greatest birthday gift Aww. he ever received. Um. He, uh, in addition to uh, this uh, magic being part of his career and this uh, uh, seeping into young Johnny's uh, personality, uh, another uh, pastime uh, that was enjoyed by millions of of Americans at this time was the radio. Um, In his home uh, in uh, Norfolk, uh, Nebraska, uh, he talks about laying on his stomach and watching the radio um, and uh, listening and uh, his... His favorite show of all was Jack Benny Uh, and uh, he just uh, nearly uh, like a tape recorder in his own brain uh, studied the mannerisms and uh, how Jack Benny talked and uh, how he put his show together and uh, that would have a, a great influence on the rest of his life. Um. And during his high school days, uh, he uh, earned money partially through these uh, magic gigs, but he also worked uh, as an usher at the local theater, and uh, this was just an interesting uh, story that I, that I came upon that has a, a sort of personal connection that um, he was. Uh, uh, in he was an usher in the theater on December seventh, nineteen forty-one, uh, which was when uh, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, wow. and it was uh, his uh, job as an usher to stop the film and ask if there were any um, servicemen in the audience that they had to go and report uh, to to duty. Wow. Um, And my grandfather was also an usher uh, at the Aztec Theater in uh, San Antonio on December 7th, 1941. And he also had to ask if there were any servicemen so that they could go and report for duty. Um, He uh, graduated high school in 1943, and uh, John Carson uh, joined uh, the U.S. Navy. Uh, he was stationed on the uh, USS Pennsylvania in the pacific uh during this time uh, he took up amateur boxing and uh, uh he had a 10-0 record uh, he won every fought that he ever uh, every fight that he fought wow uh Johnny Carson said that the highlight of his military career uh was uh when the Secretary of the Navy uh, arrived on their ship and uh trying to spark conversation uh, the uh Secretary of the Navy uh, asked uh, young uh, Carson uh what he wanted to do uh with his life and if he was going to continue on the navy and he said no I don't uh, think I will be continuing <laughs> on the in the navy uh, I want to be a magician Ooh. and uh, the Secretary of the Navy was sort of a, a grumpy stern Man and was said, I, well, prove it to me that you can be a magician. Oh. And he always had a deck of cards in his hand, and he performed a trick right there for the Secretary of the Navy. Cool. Um, after the war, uh, he attended the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, he attended on the GI Bill. Um, and he was earning uh, $25 a gig uh, for doing magic shows. Wow. Um he also made a little extra money uh by uh, renting out uh the his uh, uh 39 Chrysler um as a necking parlor for the local boys. Uh in 1949 uh Johnny Carson graduated with a bachelor of arts in radio and speech uh, and also with a minor in physics. Wow. Uh also uh, that year he had his first television appearance uh, on the uh, local station in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh he uh was uh, the milkman in a uh documentary that was made uh, locally about the dangers of unpasteurized milk. Oh, wow. Uh also in 1949, uh he uh, uh got married uh so he uh married uh jody wolcott and uh what was great about her was that she uh, looked good and she could fit into the box when he needed to uh, cut it in half oh, no. for the magic shows uh <laughs> she they, was vegetarian. W- yes
0: <laughs>
1: uh they would have uh three boys together uh, he continued doing things on uh, local uh, stations in Nebraska. He uh, hosted a show called Carson's Cellar. Uh, and then in 1951, he moved to Hollywood. And uh, there uh, he hosted uh, another uh, Carson's Cellar on the local CBS ne- uh, station. And Red Skelton uh, saw this, and when that uh, show was eventually uh, taken off the air, Red Skelton hired uh, Johnny Carson as a writer uh, for his show. Oh, uh, he eventually became a, a a guest host for one of the episodes when uh, Red Skelton injured himself uh, during rehearsal, and so uh, the all television was live uh, during those days, so they had to go on the air with somebody, and they picked Johnny Carson, and so the, that's when he got on national television. Um, And in 1955, Jack Benny was watching that, and he had Johnny Carson on his show, uh, where uh, Johnny Carson came on and uh, pretended that uh, Jack Benny had stolen all of his mannerisms from Johnny Carson. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Jack Benny, at the uh, end of that uh, broadcast, said that, I think that there's a very bright future uh, for young Johnny Carson. He's going to be a very good comedian. Uh, so, uh, he hosted his own show, uh, uh, the Johnny Carson show, nationally television- televised show, uh, from 1955 to 56, but it was canceled after about 30 weeks on the air. And, uh, he thought that his whole career in show business was over after this, that this was his one shot and that he had failed. But eventually, uh, after a few gigs, uh, uh, playing in nightclubs and things, he did get, uh, another, uh, show, a game show called, who do you trust? And, uh, while he was putting this show together, uh, he needed to have an announcer. And so he, uh, started uh, uh looking for uh, announcers uh, throughout New York. And uh, there was a, a very large uh Irishman uh who came in uh for an interview uh, named uh, Ed McMahon. And uh, Johnny Carson, as Ed describes it, Johnny didn't even look at him the whole interview. He was looking out a window the whole time. Um, and Ed did not think that he uh, got the job, but he found out a few days later that he did. And he became the announcer on this game show. And that started uh, a relationship that would go on uh, for decades. Um, He uh, was... Uh, He had sort of a a rocky marriage uh, uh, this first uh, go around. Uh, uh, We could probably say that about all the go arounds. (laughs) Um, And uh, Jody uh, was trying to figure out how do you become a a Hollywood wife. And this is a lot different than what I signed up for in Nebraska. And uh, Johnny. Played the field. Uh, he was known as quite the player. A, a lot of women found him very alluring. Yeah. And uh, eventually, uh, Jody uh, filed uh, for divorce. And that happened in 1962. And that very same year, uh, Johnny married uh, for the second time oh uh, to uh, Joanne Copeland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Joanne is, uh, sometimes described as the driving force behind him getting the tonight show. Mm. Uh, she, uh, uh, was the one talking to the, uh, producers and, and people in the network as uh, putting Johnny up saying, give him the audition. I think he'd be really good for this. And they gave him an audition and and they offered him the job. And at first he turned it down Wow. and, uh, he said that you know we, we we've just gotten married, and I know what these shows do. Um, uh, th- these shows are all consuming, and and our our marriage will not last if I take this show. Mm-hmm. And Joanne said, "No, it, it will last because I'll be a part of the show, so we'll be working together." Mm-hmm. And so on October 1st, 1962, Johnny Carson uh, became the host of The Tonight Show uh, for the very first time. Uh, Groucho Marx was the one who uh, introduced him uh, onto uh, the show. Um, At this time, The Tonight Show was, uh, it was not the format that we know today. Um, It was not an hour. Uh, It was not an hour and 30 minutes. It was an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, So uh, Carson and his team were responsible for putting together a show that's almost two hours long every night of the week.
0: Insane.
1: Um, It it was all-consuming. He did not actually do well right out of the gate. Uh, Pretty much the whole first year was kind of touch and go. Um, uh, As he was developing his on-screen persona and as he uh, developed uh, all all these uh, other acts that would come on. Um, But getting into 1963 and onward, it it was clear that he had become um, the king of late night. Um if you have not seen a clip uh, of Johnny Carson, uh you you need to. Um <laughs> there are so many great moments uh through the 30 years of television. Um and already in his early uh state uh, on the show, he became known as sort of a kingmaker. Um if you went on the Tonight Show and Johnny liked you, if he gave you the okay sign, if if he if he uh asked you to come on and sit next to him after your spot um, then that was it you were famous yes. you would never have to be you'd never have to worry about anything for the rest of your life um during these early days uh, some of these uh guests that that he uh, made famous uh don rickles joan rivers um george carlin jonathan winters uh bill cosby woody allen dick cavett all uh, got their start um, uh, from Johnny, uh, from being on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, if you ever have the chance to watch a monologue uh, that Johnny would give, um, really the best thing that could happen is when the joke started to fail. Um, <laughs> It once uh, 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 you know one or two or three jokes in a row started to uh, go flat um, uh, that's when he really shined uh, that's <laughs> when um, he he could he could grab you back and uh, the band started playing T for two and um, it, uh, it, it was uh, amazing um, in 1968 uh, the tonight show at Johnny Carson had uh, still to this day is the largest viewing audience of a late night program Uh, when Tiny Tim uh, got married to Miss Vicky um, it drew 80% 80% of all televisions Mm -hmm. in the United States were tuned Mm -hmm. to the wedding of this very weird ukulele playing man (laughs) uh, uh, on uh, uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson Um, in uh, 1971 Johnny's uh, work life uh, and his um, playing the field uh, uh, led to the end of another marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was uh, so they got Joanne uh, got a a divorce uh, from Johnny Carson. And the next year, um, Johnny Carson moved the show from New York to Burbank um, so that he could be uh, where all the movie stars were. Um And uh, even though he was on television, and back then television was looked at as, as very low uh, in show business, nowhere compared to uh, filmmaking, um, Johnny Carson had proved uh, over the 10 years that uh, he was worthy of being a star next to anybody. Um, that same year, uh, he married again, uh, this time to Joanna Holland. Um, and she... Uh, really wanted Johnny to come out uh, of his shell. Um, before this time, when he was in New York, he would go out, but it wasn't really social gatherings. It was to go out with Ed and and, and get drunk. Um, <laughs> uh, and contrary to how uh, it was portrayed on the show, um, Ed was was not the one who was getting very drunk. Johnny was. Mm -hmm. And uh, Johnny was a very light drunk. It only took about one drink in him, and he would turn into a completely different person. Right. Um, A a very uh, angry uh, person. Oh, really? uh, Interesting.
0: Very
1: interesting. uh, There were times uh, that were described in a 60 Minutes interview where... um, uh once Johnny got a drink in him he was going to take on the whole russian army oh, and he didn't have the bazookas to do it yeah. and so ed would be the one who had to watch over him and take care of him and make sure that he got home all right and didn't get a black eye uh-oh um uh, uh he johnny carson was someone who uh was as we said before painfully shy uh he hated to be in any social situation mm-hmm. and uh he used show business. He used performing as this way of getting control over a social situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I, I, I... After, I I will let everyone know that uh, I didn't have to do a whole lot of research for this one because I've done nearly 30 years of research (laughs) on Johnny Carson. Um, And part of the affinity that I have for him is definitely this connection of being, uh, not enjoying social situations, but uh, being good at performing because you are now in control of a social situation. And, uh, that is definitely what, uh, Johnny Carson was, uh, uh, to a T that that's, and he talked about it openly, um, that, that, that once the, once the camera went off, he was a different person. And a lot of people would say that he was aloof or conceited Mm -hmm. or cold, Mm -hmm. um, but he was just really painfully shy. And, uh, then once the camera came on, he was there, uh, and he, and he entertained all of America, Mm -hmm. um. So uh, that the second uh, marriage failed, and then uh, we get into uh, Joanna, who was trying to pull him out into the social scene of Hollywood, and he would go, but it, it was um, uh, not a recipe for success uh, to try and pull this very cold and shy person uh, uh, into the, the bright lights of Hollywood. Um Once he made the move uh, to California uh, in the, in. Johnny Carson in the 70s is sort of the epitome of his power Um, all of the biggest movie stars uh, were coming on all the time Um, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and uh, you you just again go to YouTube watch these videos (laughs) they're hysterical Um, also a a new generation of comedians starts coming up from uh, the stand up world uh, from the improv and from the comedy store and so You have people like uh, Richard Pryor, David Steinberg, uh, Jay Leno, Gary Shandling, David Letterman, Jerry Seinfeld all talk about that before they went on to Carson, they were nothing. And once they went on to Carson, that made their entire careers. Uh, by the mid 1970s uh he was uh the most uh paid man in hollywood uh nbc was paying him 4 million dollars a year uh which is uh, uh, it may not seem like a whole lot uh, today but that was a lot back then um And the way uh, that Johnny Carson uh, handled all the issues going on in his day, uh, from uh, civil rights to assassinations to um, Watergate and Vietnam, um, a lot of people talked about how... um, Uh, uh, Johnny had this barometer on America to know when was the right time, uh, to go after people, um, and, and do it in a satirical and light way and Mm -hmm. how people from across the nation could, they didn't know what Johnny Carson's politics were, Mm uh, because he went after both sides equally because whatever was funny, uh, was going to be what he was uh, going to do. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, uh, also during this time, we have the creation of some of his great characters. Uh, so Art Fern, uh, the late night, uh, movie, uh, uh, guy with, uh, with the matinee lady and, uh, Aunt Blabby and, uh, Carnac. Um, so many, uh, great characters, um, that, uh, uh, uh w- he would come on every night and people would, would stay up, uh, wanting to see these. Um, uh, in the early seventies, uh, Johnny Carson uh, had a big blow um, when Jack Benny passed away. Um, Over the years, Jack Benny had become, uh, not only was he an idol, he was also a friend. And uh, his wife, Joanna, describes that it was one of only two times that she ever saw him cry um, was when Jack Benny passed away. Um, in 1979, uh, Johnny Carson. There were already people starting to talk about Johnny Carson uh, leaving the Tonight Show and who could possibly uh, take the throne. Um, but uh, he he was certainly not done. Um, and NBC needed him there. Uh, this was a time where NBC did not have very many good shows, and uh, at one point, uh, Johnny Carson was responsible for one quarter of all revenue coming into NBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 1979, uh, his lawyer uh, Henry uh, Bombastic Bushkin um, <laughs> oh negotiated with, yeah, was a real person and uh, negotiated uh, with NBC uh, for one of the biggest deals ever made. He would be paid five million a year. He would only have to work four nights a week. Uh, he would own the show, so all episodes would not be owned by NBC. They would be owned by Johnny Carson. Wow. Um, very He good. also. Yeah, he also uh, got the time of the show cut. Uh, He was, by this time, working 90 minutes, uh, and then he got the show cut down to 60 minutes. And during this deal, he also got it negotiated to where he would own the show that would come on after him. Uh, During this time, uh, Tom Snyder uh, was after him doing The Tomorrow Show, um, but very quickly um, the network would try and... uh, finagle with his show to the point where tom snyder left and so johnny carson uh paved the way for one of his favorite comedians to come on after him david letterman mm-hmm. um and this is a, a subject that i can talk uh way too much to anybody <laughs> about um uh late night and and these these guys so uh, uh but there's tons of stuff uh, to talk about with johnny carson like putting a lot of restrictions on David Letterman on what uh, he could do with his show so that it didn't look like what the tonight show was. And all those restrictions played out in a way that made David Letterman even more unique. Oh so um, it, it, it was, and, and they really did have a, a fondness and friendship with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, just to tell you the power of this man by the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, Ronald Reagan, uh, was, uh, elected president in 1980, inaugurated in January of 1981, and Reagan was old Hollywood, and so he had been on The Tonight Show with Johnny for years, mm-hmm. and wanted Johnny Carson to be the master of ceremonies for the inauguration, and he was, mm-hmm. um, During this, uh, Frank Sinatra was actually the one putting the whole inauguration together. And uh, so when it comes to the actual swearing-in ceremony... um, uh, Frank Sinatra was, and and his wife were friends with Ed uh, McMahon and and his wife, mm-hmm. and so they were seated closer to the dais than Johnny and Joanna, mm-hmm. and Joanna was the one who was furious about this, oh my. that uh, she was not closer to the dais uh, than Ed McMahon's wife, and made such a stink about it that. The President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, called Johnny Carson and personally apologized <gasps> oh for the fiasco. That is the power that Johnny Carson had. Mm. Um. The the marriage, the third marriage, uh, would not last uh, much long after that. <laughs> In 1983, uh, Joanna sued for a divorce, and she got a $20 million settlement. Wow. Um, uh, uh, the... Uh, Going into the 1980s, Johnny Carson continued being uh, this kingmaker. Uh, so uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Ray Romano, Drew Carey, David Spade—so many people of this next generation also got their start uh, from uh, the Tonight Show. Um, it is also during this time that he sets up a permanent guest host. Uh, so uh, by this point, uh, Johnny Carson was only working three days a week. Mm. Uh, so uh, there'd be Mondays and Tuesdays that he would not be. Uh, On the show. And so they're now instead of a cycling carousel of these comedians, he would have one. Uh, And the first one was Joan Rivers. Mm -hmm. Um, So Joan Rivers was the permanent guest host of The Tonight Show from the early 80s until 1986. Mm -hmm. Joan Rivers was then offered her own show that would go up against The Tonight Show in 1986 uh, with the Fox Network. She did not uh, consult Johnny uh, about this business decision, um, about being now his competitor. Mm. And so when news broke out um, that this was going to happen, uh, she called Johnny Carson uh, to talk about it with him. After the fact, uh, Johnny hung up the phone. Mm. Um, Joan Rivers called again, and he didn't answer. Uh, Johnny Carson never talked to Joan Rivers for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. uh this was, uh, and you when you hear the story from the Johnny Carson perspective, it was, he gave her this start, uh, and um, she owed everything to him, and she talked about it over and over, even past this. Um, She talks about such warm feelings that she had for Johnny Mm -hmm. about making her career, and what it was to have a a female host, a guest, permanent guest host of The Tonight Show in the 1980s, Mm -hmm. um, that this was, uh, that they had such a great relationship, and the fact that she didn't consult him um about this was very it it hurt johnny so much that he he and it was that was the way he dealt with things was to cut things off done um and uh the following year uh, johnny carson got married for the first the fourth time uh to uh alexis and uh uh this uh also uh during the uh, uh this is, we're now coming to a lot of people are starting to talk he's now in his late 50s going into 60 um he can't keep this up forever <laughs> who's going to uh be the next host of the tonight show uh during uh this moment uh, the guest hosts of the tonight show were uh, Gary Shandling and Jay Leno um and so all the talk was between Shandling and Leno and Letterman uh in 1990 uh Jay Leno's uh manager uh Helen Kushnick um anonymously published uh, uh, uh a a story saying that NBC uh, was pushing Johnny Carson out in favor of Jay Leno.
0: <gasps> oh my.
1: And uh this uh had uh, a a a uh a, a large effect on Johnny um, and his relationship uh, with Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. Jay Leno claims to this day that he never knew that it was Helen that did this mm-hmm. um, and uh, was very sorry and, and, and didn't want to push anybody. I, I didn't want to push anybody out of anything. <laughs> um but um, that's what in, he that was published. NBC was caught completely off guard, um, and uh, then the next year, Johnny Carson um, suffered a, a terrible tragedy when uh, his uh, son Richard Carson died in a car accident. Oh, no um and that happened in June in August of that year Johnny Carson um surprised NBC executives uh by going public saying that he would end uh his time at the Tonight Show on May 22nd of 1992 Wow um The lead-up to that, uh, uh, there were so many well-wishers, so many people from Hollywood coming out wanting one more time uh, to talk with Johnny, Um, and uh, his uh, uh, last broadcast uh, in May of 92 was uh, watched by... Millions of people. Um, and and uh, a lot of people talk about it. I know David Letterman said that it's like Johnny Carson was like a public utility. It was like the electric company or the water company. And to imagine a life without him uh, was just uh, insurmountable. Um, Johnny Carson was never consulted uh, by uh, NBC as to who his um, successor should be. Um, uh, many people say and... and. Uh, What would bear out later on uh, is that his relationship with Letterman was so close that he absolutely would have wanted Letterman to succeed him. Mm -hmm. But NBC uh, decided to uh, give Jay Leno The Tonight Show instead. Mm -hmm. Um, Johnny Carson only appeared on television uh, two times after uh, he left The Tonight Show. Both of those appearances were on The Late Show with David Letterman. Um, One of those appearances, uh, he uh, hands the top ten list to David Letterman and is given a 90-second standing ovation. (laughs) Um, Johnny Carson would continue to write jokes and send them in to David Letterman for the rest of his life. And uh, whenever they got onto the air, he would call uh, the producer, Peter LaSalle, and say, Did you see? Did you see my joke got on the air? David (laughs) told my joke. Um, the last years of his life he traveled the world. Uh, he uh, sailed all over the country in his yacht. Uh, he learned Swahili wow. and uh, went to africa and uh Bob Wright, uh, who was an executive at g e and was uh, a friend of Johnny Carson, went on this trip with Johnny and Alexis to africa and uh, uh, he was a little suspicious at seeing uh Johnny speaking Swahili um if he was actually doing it right, but then the people in Swahili starting to started to laugh and then he knew. <laughs> Yep, yep, John, the, there were uh, no problems with communication there. <laughs> um beginning in the early 2000s uh, it was discovered uh by Johnny's doctors that uh, he was suffering from emphysema. Mm. Um Johnny Carson was a lifelong smoker. Um uh, on the desk of the Tonight Show were always a lighter and a cigarette box and he had sort of convinced himself that he had lasted 60 70 years that um Uh, He was going to be immune uh, from all the things that come from smoking, um, but uh, that ended up not happening. And uh, Johnny Carson died in Burbank on January 23rd, 2005. Um... Following uh, his death, uh, it was uh, discovered uh, that Johnny Carson uh, was personally responsible for donating over $150 million uh, over uh, his uh, lifetime. uh, That he would read the newspaper and find about people who were in need and just immediately get the checkbook out and start writing a check and sending it to them. Uh, The Johnny Carson Foundation, uh, last to this day, uh, is responsible for countless uh, charitable donations um also uh during uh the after he passed away, it was discovered that um there was a box in his uh uh closet, and inside that box uh were news clippings that his mother had saved wow. um, of uh all of his uh performances uh and all of his uh all the good notices that he ever got. Uh, While she could never um, share with him publicly, and often publicly uh, uh, to other people, uh, talked about uh, that he wasn't very good, that he he wasn't very funny. I said that in in a Rolling Stone article, um, after uh, watching a, uh, a monologue together with the reporter, she said, well, that wasn't very funny, and she got up and left the room. Oh, my. Um. At, at one point, Johnny Carson uh, paid for his parents to go to a uh, on a cruise. Um, uh, all expenses paid gave them a gold American Express card to pay everything with. And uh, when they got back, uh, she said how great it was to be home. Oh, um, my. So uh, a woman who, who could not express these things, but the fact that she had held on to all these clippings from the 1940s through to her death in the 80s mm-hmm. um, really surprised Johnny. And, and he held on to that box for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um Johnny Carson, uh, uh, an American treasure, um, a uh, person who uh, helped uh, this country through um, some of its most tumultuous days Mm -hmm. and uh, did so uh, with wit and intelligence and um, really uh, just a a great uh, humanitarian, as it ended up being, Um, certainly had his downfalls uh, when it came to um, women and when it came to um, alcohol and, and other things but really uh, a a truly remarkable figure and uh, I think that this chart uh, bears (laughs) out a lot of uh, who that man was.
0: Wow that's amazing Chandler. Excellent research. Very very good to know all these things about such uh, an American icon you know and looking at the chart you know uh, not knowing who it was uh, it, it does make a lot of sense to have to be so shy with Saturn in the first house because it's lessons with your um, persona, really, you know, to be able to uh, uh, be yourself in public. You know what I mean? It's very difficult yeah. for people that have Saturn in the first house because it's all about the lessons. Saturn and communication, though, in the first house is uh lessons with being a communicator you know what i mean and in scorpio that makes a lot of sense that ooh, understanding that moon and capricorn baby <laughs> get that one uh people who have moon and capricorn can have very cold mothers and never ever be able to satisfy them and that is the bane of your existence you know, and that messes with everything in your emotional makeup. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't trying to find in his women a way to manifest this love that he never, ever, ever got in his whole life. You know, mm-hmm. it just never happened. There was no way he was ever going to satisfy this woman. And that tears out my heart. But having this Uranus in Pisces in the fifth house, innovations, innovations in show business, new ways, you know, and then Chiron in the sixth house healing through uh, your work. You know, he healed. So many people would go through horrible days and then get to Johnny Carson and have that day turned around for them before they went to sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, the anger with the alcohol that's interesting to me because i mean leos can be very angry they can have a very bad temper and maybe that's the whole thing with the neptune in leo and you know drinking but i mean he did have a lot that he was carrying with him you know that could have been Mm -hmm. released with the alcohol you know and then uh this you know, not having a real greedy nature with that Venus and Sagittarius in the second house, because it's benevolent, you know? So he was very happy to give and give and give because there was going to be more. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of and legacy with communications, right? Legacy. So super cool. Very cool. (laughs) I had no idea I was doing Johnny Carson, but good to know.
1: Uh, Are there uh, any other things uh, to point out about the chart?
0: I think his situation with women and, uh, his, um, inability to be faithful. All comes back to this moon in Capricorn and his mother, you know? Yeah. Uh, And Scorpio, you know, that whole Scorpio thing with possibly even being vindictive to his mother through these women. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on there. Yeah. But also, communications, love of communications, and benevolent communications... You know, and being a brilliant mm-hmm.
1: businessman uh well uh, I think uh on our scale of right on the money to way out in outer space this is uh this is right on the money <laughs> this is uh, uh who uh, Johnny Carson was uh, his uh, greatness and his faults and everything that he was uh dealing with uh, all can be traced to uh, something going on here mm. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And your history for Johnny Carson was right spot on, Chandler. It was very, very interesting. Thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, uh, that concludes this episode of History in Retrograde. We'd like to thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to uh, support the show, uh, we have links to all of our social media and uh, email uh, posted uh, in uh, the episode description. Uh, we also have a link there to our PayPal account. Um, every little bit helps us in uh, creating a uh, better quality show. Um, a uh, better. Uh, we can uh, expand our audience more, uh, so uh, whatever you would feel uh, comfortable with giving would be very much appreciated. Uh, we also have a link there if you would like to be your very own mystery history guest. We can make that happen. Uh, so uh, just email uh, Chandler's mom at history And, and uh, mom will get with you and uh, discuss details of uh, maybe uh, creating a natal chart or maybe a sinistry chart with that special someone. Uh, Mom, is there anything else you'd like to add?
0: Yes, i just like to say I'm having a wonderful time doing your charts and getting to know you. And I am taking appointments to do charts for November. But as we move forward, you might want to give a gift of a chart for Christmas or the holidays. And then we will probably have a lot of synastry charts, which is couples charts, uh, coming for um, Valentine's Day. And I'd also like to say from all the wild women in Texas to all the wild women in Australia... Hi! We love it that you're listening to us in Australia.
1: Uh, yes uh, according to our demographics um, uh, Australia is now uh, the number two country uh, listening uh, to uh, our show right now <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you all so much to those in the land down under um, and uh, thank you all to everyone else uh, in the rest of the world too uh, and uh, everywhere uh, in the United States so we truly appreciate uh, all of your downloads all of your support uh, the emails and things that you've sent uh, Uh, all been uh, very heartwarming and uh, we uh, thank you all so much for listening Uh, and uh, as always in conclusion as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned everything will be just fine
0: everything is going to be just fine thank you so much for listening we love you bye bye
1: thank you so much bye bye